I don't break the rules. I like rules and expectations. <laughs> oh my goodness. Anyways, the heckling in the front. Um, but I would approach the stop sign, no matter the hour, and come to a complete stop. My husband, on the other hand, Connor, if it was between the hours of 10 p.m. and 6 a.m., he would come to yield at best. <laughs> if there were no other, if there was a car coming, obviously, he might yield a little more. <laughs> but I would always be like, Connor, what are you doing? Like, a cop's going to come, we're going to get a ticket, we're going to have to call our parents and explain it, and it's going to be a whole thing. So, like, for the next mile, I'd be looking over my shoulder. And he was like, you got to chill out. A stop sign tells you to stop if there's traffic. There was no traffic. So the law is no longer serving its purpose. Well, today we are going to look in our scripture passage how, like Connor, Jesus seemingly disregards the Sabbath law. Now, I am not saying you follow Connor. I am saying we're going to follow Jesus. Okay, come to a complete stop at a stop sign. Anyways, um, so let's pray and then we'll dive in to our scripture. Lord Jesus, we know that you are here. And so we just welcome you. May you create space in our hearts. May you use my mouth as a tool for your truth and your grace. And may you bend our hearts and minds to you. In Jesus' name, amen. So Mark chapter 2, 23 through 28, and then Mark 3, 1 through 6. One Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields, and as his disciples walked along, they began to pick up some heads of grain. The Pharisees said to him, Look, why are they doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? He answered, Have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need? In the days of Abiathar, the high priest, he entered the house of God and ate the consecrated bread, which is lawful only for priests to eat. And he also gave some to his companions. Then he said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Mark 3, 1 through 6. Another time, Jesus went into the synagogue, and a man with a shriveled hand was there. Some of them were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus, so they watched him closely to see if he would heal him on the Sabbath. Jesus said to the man with the shriveled hand, Stand up in front of everyone. Then Jesus asked them, Which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil, to save life or to kill? But they remained silent. He looked around at them in anger and deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts, said to the man, Stretch out your hand. He stretched it out, and his hand was completely restored. Then the Pharisees went out and began to plot with the Heridians how they might kill Jesus. So let's start with a definition of the Sabbath. The Sabbath was the seventh day of the week, which was a sacred festival on which the Israelites were required to abstain from all work. It was an institution, a law for keeping the seventh day holy. 
And in these verses, there was nothing unlawful, nothing wrong with what Jesus and his disciples were doing in the grain fields, plucking the heads of grain. That wasn't breaking the law. They were breaking the law because of the day in which they did it. And the Pharisees, in the Jewish, Jewish tradition, the religious leaders created this elaborate list of rules and regulations on the Sabbath. Uh, there were 39 sections of prohibitions that they had to follow. And plucking grain on the Sabbath would have broken four of those 39. There were different categories and types uh, and the leaders would continue to add rules and regulations if any of them seemed vague. And the Jewish people would always try to figure out ways to get around the laws. Here are some of my favorites. There's lots, but these are just three. Uh, a man could carry something in his right hand or his left hand across his chest. I'm sorry, he could not carry something in his right hand or his left across his chest or on his shoulders, but you could carry something on the back of your hand, with your foot, with your elbow, in your ear, your hair, the hem of your shirt, or your shoe. You just had to do it before Sabbath started. You had to place it in your ear. If it fell out, oh, that's too bad, right? Uh, second, on the Sabbath, you were forbidden to tie a knot any type of knot, except if you were a woman, you could tie a knot in your girdle. And so if you had to get a bucket from a well, you could not tie a rope to the bucket, but you could summon a woman and she could tie her girdle to the bucket and get it out of the well. The third, a Sabbath journey could be no longer than 2,000 cubits or 3,000 feet from your house, but if you put up a temporary tent or you were over at a friend's house before Sabbath started, you could then travel another 3,000 feet during the Sabbath, right? So they were pretty witty, right? They got around the, all the rules and regulations. Sounds a little familiar, um, but the, the, the Sabbath was given as a sign of the covenant for the Israelites. It was a part of the Mosaic covenant. We see it in the Ten Commandments in Exodus 20 and 31, and we're going to look at Exodus 31 this morning, starting at verse 12 through 17. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, But as for you, speak to the sons of Israel, saying, you shall surely observe my Sabbaths. For this is a sign between me and you throughout your generations, that you may know that I am the Lord who sanctifies you. Therefore, you are to observe the Sabbath, for it is holy to you. Everyone who profanes it shall surely be put to death, but whoever does any work on it, that person shall be cut off from among his people. For six days work may be done, but on the seventh there is a Sabbath of complete rest holy to the Lord. Whoever does any work on the Sabbath shall surely be put to death. So the sons of Israel shall observe the Sabbath to celebrate the Sabbath throughout their generations as a perpetual covenant. It is a sign between me and the sons of Israel forever. And in six days, the Lord made heaven and earth. But on the seventh day, he ceased from labor and was refreshed. 
And then in Deuteronomy 5, we see that God elaborates on the Sabbath. Deuteronomy 5.15 says, You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out of there by a mighty hand and by an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to observe the Sabbath. So the Sabbath was this covenant sign. It was meant to be a celebration of Israel's liberation from slavery. And it was a day of ceasing from work so that they could praise God, give him glory, feast and fellowship with one another. And we also see in Exodus 31, 13, that it was so they would remember on the Sabbath day that it is God who sanctifies. It is not their work. It's God who sanctifies. It is God who makes you worthy, who makes you holy. It is not anything that you do. It's not my work. It's not your work. Nothing that we accomplish can sanctify us. Do we define ourselves by our work? That's often the first question we ask people. What do you do? What if I responded and said, well, I am a child of the living God. That is what I do. You would look at me like I had four heads. That is not culturally fitting. But we, so, we are so defined by our work. Or even for people that stay at home. Oh, I just stay at home. I'm a stay at home. Just. You're doing the most sanctifying work, I'll tell you that. So the Sabbath was intended to be established to remember who actually defines us. Because otherwise, we could get caught up in idolatry. And that's why it was so significant when they didn't observe the Sabbath. Because then they are placing their work, or other things above God. And the consequence was severe, right? If I reread Exodus 31, 14, it says, Everyone who profanes it shall surely be put to death. For whoever does not or does any work on it, that person shall be cut off from among his people. Again, it wasn't to follow the Sabbath, but to, to not commit idolatry to put God first. So when the Pharisees see Jesus and his disciples plucking grains of head, grains of, or the heads of grain on the Sabbath day, that would have been a serious offense for them. And one that they would have to take seriously. And so they pose a question to Jesus. They say, look, why are they doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? So Jesus answers with a question. This is a pattern for Jesus. He often responds in a question. In verse 25, he answered, Have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need? This would have been a story they could recall quickly. This would have been well known. And essentially, David was fleeing from the wrath of King Saul. And he goes to find the high priest in Nod, And he is hungry, and so are his companions. And he asks the high priest for bread, five loaves of bread. And the high priest says, I don't have anything but consecrated bread, which would have been unlawful for anyone but the high priest to eat. 
but he saw that David was in need. So he gives David the bread. Jesus shows a very important principle here and one that we need to take seriously. He shows that human need is more important than religious ritual. Human need is more important than religious ritual. Do we gather on Sundays just for the sake of religious ritual? This is something that Garden City is going to be looking at because we want to flesh out the gospel in our neighborhood. If it's just ritual and we're prioritizing that over the real needs in our community and the people within this community, then we're not living how Jesus defines the Sabbath. We need to put human need over religious ritual. And then in verse 27, Jesus makes this dramatic statement. The Sabbath was made for man, not man for Sabbath. The Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Jesus takes the Sabbath law and flips it upside down, right in front of the Pharisees, right? The Sabbath day was established to create pause, establish a moment where they stop doing and reflect on what God has done. Yet the institution, this mechanism that was created to be good and cause reflection for their freedom it has now enslaved them. Do you see that? This was meant so they could remember the freedom that God provides for them. And now they're enslaved by the rules and regulations of it. Do we have things like this in our lives? What God has meant for freedom and liberation in your life that now enslaves you? Does church, small group, being in God's word, right? If you're in full-time ministry, whatever it is, does that just become a task, a form of drudgery, <laughs> rather than an avenue to experience your freedom in Jesus? When Kenny was leading worship up here and asked us to pause and just go all out, when, whenever I picture freedom in Jesus, there was a field I ran through in Hawaii, and I always take my mind back there because that's the most freedom I have ever felt, just running <laughs> at sunset through this beautiful field. It wasn't like the cornfields of Indiana. This was Hawaii. <laughs> um, but nothing felt like it was holding me back, that all chains were loosed. There were no rules and regulations, just true freedom and liberation that I felt. I don't know where you have felt the most freedom, where you have felt completely untied and just focused on Jesus, but that's what he wants for our everyday life. What would that look like? The Sabbath was meant to be a privilege and a benefit to us, not task or drudgery for us. God never intended it for it to be an imposition on us one that has so many rules and regulations that we continue to try to figure out ways to skirt around it. The Sabbath was intended to support life, not drain it. You see, the law, the Sabbath law, was no longer serving its purpose. 
They had forgotten that what God really wants is mercy before sacrifice. For us to love others and see love as more important than religious rituals. That, God, that what's most pleasing to God is a broken spirit, a contrite and broken heart. An Old Testament professor of mine would say, any application of the Sabbath law, which operates to the detriment of man, is out of harmony with God's purpose. The Pharisees were acting out of harmony with God's purpose because they were putting tradition and law over Jesus. And Jesus says, no, I am Lord over Sabbath and all the law. It's me. I'm Lord. And so this takes us to Mark 3, 1 through 6, where Jesus is in the synagogue on the Sabbath, and the Pharisees are there, always watching, of course, and he heals a man with a shriveled hand. Now, the time and place of this healing is significant. It's on the Sabbath, the sacred day, and it's in the synagogue. Healing should happen on the Sabbath. Whether it is physical, emotional, mental, spiritual, Jesus wants to heal on his most holy day. And healing should happen in the church. The church is meant to be a place where people find wholeness and hope in the power and grace of Jesus. Is this the church, the big C church for people, where they find wholeness? Is, this guard, is that Garden City for people where they find wholeness? Are you, as the walking church, that for people? A place where people can experience the healing power of Jesus. Jesus used the church to bring healing and grace to people. And we must continue to do that as his church. We don't know why the man's hand was shriveled. It just said it was. It could have been he was born with it. Could have been from disease, an accident. But either way, he would have been considered an outcast. And as such, he wouldn't have had a job, which means he lacked resources like housing, food, clothing, In verse 2, it says, Some of them were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus. So they watched him closely to see if he would heal him on the Sabbath. Them are the Pharisees, right? They were always watching Jesus. And they knew that he would heal on the Sabbath. They knew it. They were expecting it, right? which means they knew he had the power to do so, but they didn't recognize the authority in which he had to heal on the Sabbath day. You see, the Pharisees, their whole relationship with Jesus, they knew about Jesus, but they didn't really know Jesus. And how many of us walk around today knowing about Jesus, but we don't really know Jesus? We know about him being for our good, but we don't really know that. We know about him wanting to heal, but we don't really know that. Jesus wants you to experience 
him and his goodness and his healing and his grace. And he wants to give public testimony about it, that his power is in and through you and has accomplished all things. He wants to make a spectacle of it. So he knows that the Pharisees are watching him. And so what does he say to the man? Stand up in front of everybody. He doesn't take him to a back room and do the healing quietly. He says, stand up. And then Jesus starts the conversation with the Pharisees by asking another question. In verse 4, which is unlawful on the Sabbath? Or which is lawful on the Sabbath? To do good or to do evil? To save life or to kill? But they remained silent. Jesus was essentially asking, are you prioritizing my good? If not, then you're doing what is evil. 3 John 1.11 says, Dear friend, do not imitate what is evil, but what is good. Anyone who does what is good is from God. Anyone who does what is evil has not seen God. To save life or to kill, the Sabbath was meant to preserve life, remember? By bringing rest and remembrance to our souls. But if we deprive other people from physical, emotional, spiritual healing and health because we want to follow religious law and tradition, then we're not bringing life to others. We're not. The word save here in the Greek means to keep safe and sound, to rescue from danger and destruction, to heal and restore to full health. This term is used 99 times in the New Testament. 47 in the Gospels, and 13 specifically in the Gospel of Mark. And the word kill in the Greek means to destroy or allow to perish. Jesus came to bring life to all who would receive it, and he sought to do this in this very moment with this man. It wasn't just about healing his hand. It was restoring him to full health as a whole person. In the Sabbath law, you could stop a wound from getting worse, but you could not make it better. That would have been breaking the Sabbath law. Jesus here, by saying, is it better to save or to kill? Save, remember, it means to restore to full health, right? And he's saying, it is better to do that than allow this man to perish, allow this man to continue hurting. Right? He didn't just heal the hand. Again, he brought him to full health. He would have no longer been an outcast because he had an unshriveled hand. Jesus deeply desires to do the same for you. He wants to bring you to full wholeness. To bring healing and fullness to those who are sick and not just sick physically. The Pharisees sought to hinder this man's cure because they were blinded and blocked by all the rules and regulations, and their hearts were stubborn and refused to move. They were holding tight to the traditional over the miraculous. This could have been a turning point for them, a moment in time where their hearts softened towards Jesus, but instead it did the opposite. And Jesus becomes angry. But notice... It said that he grieved, his heart grieved for them. 
right? It was in despair for them, which shows his grace as well, even when people are stubborn. And so then he fully restores the man's hand in front of everyone. The Pharisees were so consumed that they lacked mercy for this man. And Jesus was grieved by this because they did not prioritize the suffering of others. Church, I know that you have experienced hurt like this in your walk with the church, where people have prioritized laws and traditions over your wholeness. And I'm sure you've seen people that you love deeply hurt in this way too. Or maybe we ourselves have been guilty of prioritizing law and tradition over mercy and grace. Jesus never affirms this. He does the opposite, right? Jesus will always show love and mercy, and he'll do it on the Sabbath and in the church. (laughs) And he he does it as a spectacle so that you can break down the barriers that you have built up. When the law no longer serves its purpose, it no longer preserves life as intended. Romans 8, 1 through 2 says, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Jesus Christ, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. This does not mean that we completely disregard all law, right? The chapter before in Romans 7 talks about how the law can serve its purpose by showing us our need for a Savior. But we are no longer bound to the law. We are free in Jesus. Jesus comes to give freedom and life, not bondage and death. And whatever, what, what in our lives binds us? I don't know what that is for you. But ultimately, it's no longer serving its purpose if you're in Christ Jesus. It doesn't bring fullness of life to you if it binds you. And looking specifically at the Sabbath, if we practice a day of rest, which I would encourage you to do. Even two weeks ago, Jesus didn't do it on the Sabbath. (laughs) He did it the day after. So maybe rhythms look a little different. We need to follow Jesus as our example. But maybe it can easily become about strict parameters, right? To give you margin and become about you rather than the people around you. Because we prioritize giving ourselves grace and rest over others. Not saying you shouldn't, there are times for that. But maybe Jesus is asking us to do it a little differently. Rich Viotas, a pastor in New York City, says Sabbath is not a reward for hard work. Sabbath is a gift that precedes work and enables us to work. As with God's grace, rest is never a reward, it is a gift. The Pharisees lost sight of this original purpose. Jesus came to renew, redefine, and reestablish the law under who he is, his definition of love, mercy, and grace. 
Rich Viotas also gives five truths about the Sabbath, and I'll leave you with them. Sabbath is not a reward for hard work. Sabbath is a reminder that our work will remain incomplete. Sabbath is a day that moves us from production to presence. Sabbath reminds us that we are not God. And Sabbath points us to the deeper rest we need only found in Jesus. Just like in the Mosaic Law, Sabbath was a tool that God used to sanctify us. And through Jesus, we are no longer put to death if we don't follow it closely. We are just called to follow him closely. And there we experience grace, forgiveness, and wholeness only in Jesus. Let's pray. Oh, gracious God, thank you for the freedom that we can have in you, the full healing we can have in you. May you alone be our first priority and our second be our neighbors. God, I ask that if any of us are putting anything over you, that you would call that out today. If we are bound by anything that is not you, we lay that at your feet. And if we are not serving our neighbor well, we place that at your feet as well and ask that you would forgive us, that we would find wholeness and freedom in you. In Jesus' name, amen.